0: Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away: The Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit chantelrayway.com/podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching and inner circle Facebook group. Remember the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice.
1: Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Rayway on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com coaching. As always, enjoy the show.
0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. And I am such a huge fan of today's guest. I have been literally counting down the days until he gets on today's show. And this is Evan Brand, who's a podcast host, he's a certified functional medicine practitioner and a nutritional therapist. He's passionate about all the things I'm passionate about chronic fatigue, obesity, depression epidemics. And after solving his own issues, um, he has co- created this podcast. So tell you, you're so open about your personal health journey. Can you just kind of walk our listeners, for those who aren't familiar with your story, to kind of give us a quick glimpse?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, the more I tell this story every week. So the more and more I tell it, the further back I see the timeline go of dealing with issues as a kid, you know, having skin issues that led into gut issues that led into mood issues is kind of the the progression that happened. And so for me, I didn't really know that something was wrong until I got into college. I was in business school at the time. I was realizing that I couldn't pay attention in school first thing I had to do when I'd go into a new building was figure out where the bathroom was because who knows when I'd have a, a spout of irritable bowel and have to go run and poop. And that's not normal. But you assume that that is normal because that's your everyday reality. So what you do is you start to modify your lifestyle to try to mitigate your symptoms, right? So people that have chronic fatigue, they may stop exercising because they can't. They have intolerance to it, but it doesn't mean exercise is the problem. That just means that they're modifying their lifestyle or people that, you know, depend on energy drinks because they're tired all the time. It's not a deficiency of energy drinks that's the problem, right? So we do all these little hacks. We try to self self-soothe and self-medicate ourselves, whether it's with sugar or drugs or alcohol or whatever. I didn't do any of that. I just had gut issues and couldn't figure out why. So it took me probably a decade at least of of studying and researching and Seeking out other practitioners and figuring out that I had many gut problems. I had parasite infections, I had bacterial overgrowth, I had candida problems. These are all various bad guys in the gut that everyone has that I see, you know, people say, oh, well, you're biased. But the average American lives a far more unhealthy lifestyle than the people who reach out to me. So the people who reach out to me, they've already done all the low hanging fruit, just like I did, you know, getting rid of gluten, getting rid of dairy going to bed on time, getting toxic people out of their life, getting toxic chemicals out of their life and they still have symptoms and that was me. you know I did all the low-hanging fruit that you could read about on the internet on health blogs and such, but it took the deeper dive into the functional testing, you know running tons of blood work, saliva, stool, urine, just looking at every body system. So now I teach practitioners to do the same thing. I'm working on a course, but it's slow going. I'm just so busy with clients. I want to get the course done because I want to be able to clone myself and help more people, but uh, I'm just so busy with clients. So that, yeah. that, that course is almost done, but it's not done yet.
0: And your podcast now has over 7 million downloads and counting. And I know you've authored several books. Talk about those books.
2: Yeah. my All, all of my books, except for the one that I did with the publishing company, were out of necessity for myself so my first book was called rim rehab i still sell it still sell quite a bit of it, it rim you know it being the the stage of sleep where you're getting uh, a lot of dreams and different things going on there's many many stages of sleep but rim is just the one that people know about so that's why i called it rim rehab it was a book all about my struggles with sleep it's huge insomnia is a huge problem i mean i can't tell you I would say I have more clients that have sleep issues than clients who do not have sleep issues. Wow. You know, like everyone complains. I'm not, I'm not rested in the morning. They complain that they need coffee to get their brain going or they don't want to talk to people. They're so grumpy. They don't want to talk to people until they get their caffeine in. You know, this is an epidemic. I mean, just type in CDC, look up the center for disease control and look up the millions of cases of sleep disorders. So, that was part of my own struggle. So what I did is I outlined some protocols that I've implemented in terms of diet supplements, changing your environment, like turning off your Wi Fi router, getting removing the electromagnetic fields from your bedroom, all of the things I did to help my own sleep issues, that's what I wrote about. So
0: And I know that you really talk about your you dialing in your diet and that that diet has been a huge part of your healing what kind of foods do you eat and what do you kind of avoid
2: the the, i'll start with the things i avoid just because it's easier most people think of dieting as like a restrictive thing where it sucks and it it's annoying and you have to do it and then you don't want to do it and it takes willpower and all that my diet takes zero willpower so the things i avoid are sources of dairy besides butter I do tons of butter I'm totally fine with it most people if their gut is in decent shape they should be fine with butter but in terms of cheeses yogurts conventional creamer Those are your main sources of dairy people are doing. It's very easy to eradicate those or at least find an alternative. If you just absolutely have to have creamer in your coffee, you can do coconut milk. You can do almond milk, hemp milk. There's really no excuse. It's so easy to get away from it. And I find that probably 85% of my gut issues, sinus issues, headaches, it was related to a combination of dairy and gluten. So getting out the gluten, that's also very easy. Now, just because you're gluten free doesn't mean you're healthy because you can still go eat a gluten free cupcake. Yes. that's made with rice flour and tapioca starch and sugar and other things. So gluten free does not automatically equal healthy if it's still a processed food. So my diet, what does it look like typically just meats, vegetables, some nuts and seeds. I do some berries. So like today for breakfast, I did some pastured sausage, did a little bit of bacon, half of an avocado couple handfuls of blueberries, handful of pecans, and that's it. And My brain is feeling great. My tummy feels great. I will be good until at least noon, and then I'll eat probably—I had some pastured chicken that I made like a rotisserie. I'll probably have some of that. I've got some steamed broccoli with butter that I'll probably heat up that, and dinner. I usually do starch with dinner. So I don't purposely follow low carb for any weight loss reasons. My weight's perfect. I keep six-pack abs pretty much year-round. But And and then it should be easy for all men to do that. But it's just the diet. We have so much sugar in the diet. Like I said, even if you're eating, quote-unquote, gluten-free, these guys are still eating you know, gluten-free pancakes and <laughs> pouring maple syrup all over them. So, uh, so dinner, that's when I do starch, though. So I'll do like sweet potato, I'll do some butter and cinnamon on there. Cinnamon's really, really good for helping stabilize blood sugar. You can get some trace minerals in cinnamon that really help you. So if you're somebody who's having blood sugar crashes, you're getting hangry. You know, cinnamon is something I like to do with my meals, especially at dinner, because it'll help you sleep a bit better. And starch helps you sleep a little better too. My go-to is sweet potato, but you could also do plantains, cassava chips. Those are good. There's a brand called Siete.
0: Yes. Oh, I love those chips. Those yeah, are those so are good. good
2: they're addicting. So you got to be careful. Uh, But but that's it, you know, and then I'll do I'll I'll rotate through my seeds. So some days I'll do pumpkin seeds. Some days I'll do sunflower seeds. I just kind of rotate through. You can go nuts with nuts. So women that are trying to lose weight generally will try to say, hey, just a handful or two a day, you know, because if you're eating an entire bag of macadamia nuts, you know, that could be that could be too much
0: too much fat and too much calories yeah Yeah. i i i feel like i eat exactly like you're talking about that's when i eat like that that's how i feel the best and i agree with you butter is it doesn't it doesn't bother me it's the only dairy i can have that doesn't bother me everything else i'm i can't do and it may not be forever
2: now if i you know i did i had some raw cheese like a week ago and I was totally fine, you know, sometimes we can revisit foods that we had to previously avoid and we're fine, you know, so, so I try to encourage people, don't be too fearful about it. There's a lot of fear in the diet space, you know, people are afraid of this and that, but you've got to choose your battles, you know, you can't be afraid of everything because then you just feel like you're going to starve to death. And so I try to tell people, look, you know, you, you go, what I, my typical prescription is go for an autoimmune paleo template. Which is a little more strict because you do pull out eggs, you do pull out all grain, and you do that for 60 days. And then we start adding stuff back in. So we add back in eggs, we add back in this, we add back in that in a certain order of operation. And then that way we can see okay, when I added in peppers, that's when my joint pain started up again. So then we know we have an issue with nightshades. So if you hit the reset button, it's much easier. If you just pull a couple things out of your diet, you may not find what was the actual culprit. So that's why I try to go a little more strict in the beginning and then we just add things back in and then usually that's how we discover the underlying sensitivity or allergy.
0: Yeah, and right now I'm actually doing a fast. Um, for me, that's the thing that kind of really resets my body. At like literally like right now, I'm I'm doing a three-day fast. And so I'm having nothing but water. And talk about like, resetting your body, literally back to factory settings. And then I can, that's how I can kind of see, okay, if I eat this, you know, this flares me up, you know, and this is what goes on. One of the things that I'm really excited about that I heard you talking about on your podcast was red light therapy. And I actually ordered a light for my own. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to get it. Um, so kind of talk about some of the benefits of red light therapy and how someone can, can order one.
2: Yeah. So I had a far infrared sauna. I've got it behind me. It's in pieces because I'm selling it because I switched over to a near infrared sauna, which I also have behind me. And, you know, I kind of fell for it that far infrared is the best. But when you look into the research, you actually see that near infrared light, which are these red light bulbs. I've got one here on my desk here. I keep it on my desk. This is a, well, the cord's not long enough. Here it is. So this is a single This is a single bulb, a single light panel, I keep this on my desk and basically with near infrared it actually does penetrate deeper. Now uh, I did a podcast with this with Dr. Mercola, we were talking about near infrared a little bit and we talked about red light and red light being supportive to your mitochondria. Many many people in the modern world including myself have some mitochondrial dysfunction meaning we're not producing enough energy from the cellular level. Now part of that is due to toxins, so part of that's due to antibiotics, it's due to glyphosate and other chemicals in the food and the water, the soil, so you know cleaning up your toxins is very important. You can take special supplements to support your mitochondria and help your energy and then you can do red light therapy. So that's kind of where red light therapy comes in, it's just a bonus, so I blast myself with that light throughout the day while I'm working on the computer and then I have the big sauna which is called the pocket sauna, I've actually got the more expensive one which is the one that has an EMF canopy over it. That way you can just be in an EMF-free zone. and That way Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and other signals can't penetrate you. Therefore, you're able to relax in a deeper state in that sauna. So I have both. I have the single and I have the big one.
0: So with the single, you're putting that on kind of like how many hours a day would you? So you just have it at your desk. And how many hours would you say you put that on for?
2: Yeah, I, I would use it. Uh, I would use it for about 10 minutes every hour. So you just turn it on and you just have it next to you while you're working. And then you just turn it off, you know, after a while, you don't want to put it directly onto your head. Your head's pretty sensitive and for pregnant women and for children, you don't want to do that. But for, for normal adults, you're fine to, you know, you're fine to just put it on. Some people spot treat it, they'll put it on their throat if they have thyroid issues. Some people have gut issues, so they'll put it onto their gut. Some people have neuropathy issues, so they'll put it onto their feet or they'll put it onto their hands if they have circulation problems. So you can kind of use it as a spot treatment, but it's better to have the full big system, which I have, which has the four light bulbs in it, and then you can blast your full body and you just kind of rotate like a rotisserie in there.
0: Yeah. And how often do you do the big one?
2: I'm not doing as much as I would like, but it's just because I've got. I just ran a chemical test on myself and I had a handful of toxins that were way too high. So if I go too fast, you know, too hard, too fast, I probably won't feel well. So right now I'm doing like once or twice a week for about 30, 40 minutes and you just sweat, you sweat your butt off and then you go shower, you scrub your skin, make sure you get all the toxins off.
0: Yeah, I have an, I have an infrared sauna, um, and it, every day that I do it, I feel like a million bucks, and I literally leave there just dripping with sweat. But I think I'm going to get one of the one of the ones that you have.
2: You probably should. Now we have a practitioner account with that company, and so you can just get a hold of us because we do get special pricing on it. It's not mm-hmm. not not huge, but you do get it for cheaper through us rather than sauna space directly. Who's the company? And uh, Brian Richards, he's the owner of the company. He's a friend of mine. Really good guy. It's all made in USA, which is cool because most of the infrared saunas, the far infrared, most of them are made in Vietnam or China, and the quality is just less. So, you know, there could be toxic glues and other things that hold the pieces of wood together in a typical sauna versus this. There's no glues or anything. So, that's, you know, another important thing, especially if you've got a client like, for example, If you got somebody with a multiple chemical sensitivity issue real sensitive to fragrances and perfumes and car exhaust cigarette smoke stuff like that. They may get more sick from a sauna. So it's great that you say you feel better because some people feel worse after a sauna and that could either be just because they're too toxic or their livers overburdened or their adrenals are too weak. So if you feel good after sauna it's a good sign but if you feel worse then that means you've got to do something to try to dial dial in your detox pathways or there's something not right. And so. You should not feel worse before you feel better.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, let's dive right into the questions. This first one's from Pam in Houston. She says, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Who isn't? Smiley face. But I feel like I haven't been well in several months, but I can't determine the cause. I thought it would be candida issue, but I had a stool test done and it looked completely normal. Should I rule out candida altogether or is there another way I can test this?
2: Great question. So regarding Candida, it's very, very, very rare to see Candida pop up on the stool. You know, I run functional stool testing, organic acids testing, which is a urine test, which is the best way to find Candida. I run this on every client and what I'll find is about 90, 95% of the time we get a false negative on the stool, meaning stool test says there's no Candida, but it's still there. So what Pam needs to do, she needs to get an organic acids test. There's two companies that use those. One is Great Plains, which is my preference. There's another one called Genova. You pee in a cup, you ship it off to the lab, and we measure gases called tartaric acid, arabinose. There's another called carboxycitric acid, another called citric acid. You can look at these and see if there's elevations, you're going to know there's candida. So yeah, if you don't feel right, I mean, her symptoms sound kind of vague, I'd have to know more detail but if she's going down the rabbit hole of candida suspecting it then yes that's the next step get your urine tested and then also you probably want to look into other body systems but i'd want to you know hear more symptoms first
0: so when you when you're craving something sweet what do you eat if you're like man i just i really want something sweet right now what would you eat
2: well i'll ask the uh, i'll answer it in kind of a devil's advocate way and, and then uh, and i'll say well why is there a sugar craving in the first place because that shouldn't happen because if your blood sugar's well regulated you're not having blood sugar crashes you shouldn't have sugar cravings if you don't have candida overgrowth in your gut you shouldn't have sugar cravings if your adrenals are strong you shouldn't have sugar cravings so if your endorphins are at adequate levels you shouldn't have sugar cravings however many people they have multiple checks on that list right where there's something not right so generally what i do is if i see the endorphin levels are too low i give people an amino acid called dl phenylalanine also i'll give people l-glutamine you can stop a sugar craving in its tracks in five minutes with glutamine you open up a capsule of it and you pour it on your tongue It's going to trick your brain into thinking you got sugar, but really you got the amino acid your brain really needs, which is glutamine. Now, if that doesn't work and you still absolutely have to have something sweet, I'll go for like a coconut macaroon, you know, which is like a fat bomb, just a big old piece of coconut chips. It's got usually some cacao in it, maybe a little bit of monk fruit or stevia. Those things are amazing. And there's many companies that make them or you can just buy your own.
0: That's great advice. All right. This is from Alyssa in Chesapeake. One of my friends who is a health nut recently had her feces sampled to check her gut microbiome. This is something that I've never heard of and sounded a a little extreme. I've heard a lot about gut health lately. My Instagram feed has tons of people selling products to increase my gut health. When I was growing up, my grandma always told me to eat yogurt for a healthy stomach, but I don't prefer dairy products and try to limit my carbs. What are some other things I could be doing to encourage a healthy gut without going too overboard like my friend?
2: I don't think her friend's overboard at all. That's totally normal. I've run over 2,000 stool tests. I think you're crazy if you don't run a stool test. Yes. Everyone has infections that I find. and Like I said, you know these people come to me with health symptoms but your average Americans terribly unhealthy look at the obesity rate the center for disease control just announced I mean it's gone up from 2012 to 2017 we've seen an additional 35 percent increase in obesity now there are more obese people this is not overweight this is obese so there's a difference between the body mass index overweight is they look a little bigger obese is they're big There's more obese people than normal people in the U.S. now. It's an absolute apocalyptic scenario. And so you have to get your gut checked because with these various infections, they create inflammation in the gut. They create intestinal permeability, which people hear of as leaky gut, which then allows food and other toxins into the bloodstream, which then leads to autoimmune disease, which in the case of Hashimoto's or other autoimmune diseases, you may pick up excess body fat and you may have hormonal uh, disruptions from your gut issues so absolutely you should get a stool test and your conventional doctor is not going to have a stool test good enough so you want to go to a functional practitioner like me or someone else that can order you something called a GI map which is a DNA based stool test that you do at home. I just sent my daughter's stool off last week I'm always you know collecting stool and sending it off because it's fun. It's fun to experiment and see what does this herb do to this type of bacteria? What does this herb do to that bacteria? So before you go and buy supplements that you might not need, you want to get yourself tested. You know, I kind of coined the term supplement graveyard. It's silly. You're going to go online. You're going to buy something that's supposed to do this or that. But here's the deal. Let's say you go buy something that says it's going to heal your gut. Well, if you have infections like parasites and you take a supplement to heal your gut, you're going to waste your money because you don't fertilize the garden when there's still weeds in it. You got to pull the weeds out first. So that's why testing is always first step.
0: Yeah. I have to tell you something funny. So we had a guest on our show and they were talking about, it was like a whole episode we had on poop and the guy and she, and she was talking about how it's really important to make sure that your poop is stays to the bottom of the. The toilet, Because if anytime you see it floating, that's a massive red sign, you know, red flag. Hey, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And so, you know, I've been recently going to the bathroom and, you know, obviously checking to make sure. And one day it was floating and I was like, oh my God.
2: <laughs> like, Yeah, it, it's common. Yeah. So what that yeah. means is that means you're not digesting your fats very well. And so there's a marker we test for on the stool called steatocrit. And that's a percentage. And so what we want to see is preferably below 10%, meaning less than 10% of your poop is fat. However, we see often some clients are up into the mid 30s, meaning over 30% of their stool is fat, and that's going to float. And so that typically means that you have an issue with your gallbladder, could be a pancreatic enzyme issue, it could be a hydrochloric acid issue, whether you were on acid blocking medications, or you maybe had an infection like H. pylori, which is a bacteria that reduces your ability to make stomach acid. Any of those dominoes that does not fall properly can affect your fat digestion. So yes, you got to look at your poops. They're supposed to be shaped like a banana. You don't want little rabbit turds. You don't want... Very, very loose stool, and it's supposed to sink. And if it's very light colored or clay colored or even kind of yellowish or it is floating, like you mentioned, yeah, there's an issue. You got to get some testing to figure it out.
0: Yeah, that's funny. All right. This is from Courtney in Virginia Beach. I have had stomach issues for a long time, and my doctor recently diagnosed me with IBS. He gave me a prescription to use as needed, but I really want to take a more natural approach. What are some natural ways I can treat this and what are some foods I should avoid and foods I should focus on eating? I know that stress is something that really plays a part in this as well. And I'd love any pointers on managing that.
2: Yeah, stress is huge. So we'll start there. My second book, which we didn't talk about, is called Stress Solutions. That was all about me burning myself out and having to recover from burnout. And so in that book, I've outlined some of the protocols and things I did from a diet perspective as well as a supplement perspective to help. So People just Google Evan Brand stress solutions. You'll find it. It's like 20 bucks. It's definitely worth the money because it took me thousands of dollars to figure this stuff out. Now, regarding the doctor, what a joke. That's the same diagnosis I got. I got diagnosed with IBS. They recommended three prescriptions. I took none of those because your issue with your gut is not a deficiency of pharmaceuticals, right? You should ask them that question when the doctor says, oh, I've got this prescription. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I
0: love that line. I love yeah. that line.
2: Ask them, say, okay, so you're saying my IBS is caused by a deficiency of this pharmaceutical drug, and they're not going to know how to respond to you. Even if they were to refer you to a gastroenterologist, all they're going to do is potentially do an endoscopy on you, which where they stick a scope down your throat to try to investigate. Problem is half the time, just Google it for yourself, type in endoscopy infection or endoscopy acquired infection. What you're going to find is half of the people that go in for these routine procedures to investigate these gut issues they end up leaving the hospital or facility with an antibiotic resistant infection because they didn't clean it from the last guy they stuck it down. And so very big issue, which is why you should stay far away from hospitals unless you're dying. Now what you should do instead is get a stool test because I was diagnosed with IBS about a decade ago. And that's a generic term, which means we have no idea what's going on in your gut, but it's something not right. So get a stool test confirm whether or not you have infections. And then regarding the diet piece, yeah, go and go autoimmune paleo for 30 to 60 days. And there's many, many guides online, so you can just look it up. My friend Eileen, she wrote a book called The Simple Guide to the AIP Protocol. So I would look that up. You could just type in that book on Amazon or just write down my website, evanbrand.com slash AIP. It should take you to the page where you can check out her book. I don't get paid to promote her book. I just know it's a good, simple book. And what it's going to show you is basically what I told you to do already earlier, which is meats, veggies, good fats, et cetera. That alone is going to help your symptoms, but ultimately, you need some deeper investigation.
0: Hey, guys, I'm so excited that my new book, Waste Away, The Chantel Rayway, is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much anywhere you can find books. But we also have the audio book, the ebook, and my new recipe book that you can download all the recipes that I love that I make, and it's super cheap. It's all my favorites. Anyway, if you have a minute to write a review on Amazon, I would be ever grateful. Okay, this is Beth in Georgia. I've pretty much gone chemical-free except my perfume. Marc Jacobs Daisy is my signature scent, and everyone knows me by it. My hippie friends harass me by saying that it doesn't do me any good to cut out all the chemicals around me if I'm still using this perfume. Is that true? Is my perfume this harmful? I can't find a great alternative, and I've tried mixing some essential oils, and it's just not the same. Beth in Georgia.
2: Beth, I love your hippie friends. That's awesome.
0: <laughs>
2: your, hippie, your hippie friends are exactly right. So, what I would do with you, I mean, I, I don't ever like to be the bad guy that tells people to change things, right? I like to use the data, which is why I run lots of testing on people. And what you're going to find is there's a chemical that is called 234 methylhypuric acid. And this is a common chemical, the parent chemical is called xylene and this is found in perfume. So I don't care how fancy or how much you pay it, a hundred dollars a bottle or whatever for your perfume. I don't care. I don't care how good you think it smells. Most people, including me, don't want to smell that crap. And why is it not good for you? Well, so Xylene is a chemical that creates oxidative stress, and so any women that have an elevation in this chemical, which I guarantee if we tested her urine, we would see elevated xylene. There's other chemicals in perfume as well, it's synthetic, but xylene is the number one chemical we're going to see, and this causes oxidative stress, and sometimes there's symptoms associated with this depending on the level. So it could be nausea, it could be dizziness, it could be vomiting, Um, depression is quite often was xylene exposure, so yeah, I, I would get rid of it immediately because it's not doing yourself any good. Xylene is, is oxidized in the liver, so the liver can process this chemical, but why put something in the liver that you have to process if you can avoid it? So I mean, yeah, essential oils, if you just absolutely have to smell, I don't know why women, and men too, I'm just going to pick on women because <laughs> women typically smell more than men. but. I don't know why people think they have to smell like nobody wants to smell that. You know, if I Mm -hmm. walk past like my wife and I, we were in in Gatlinburg a few weeks ago. and We walked past this group of older women and I got like seven different smells, seven different types of perfume that I had to walk through. I called a perfume bomb. So Mm -hmm. I just put my put my nose, you know, under my shirt when I walk past because (laughs)
0: I'll,
2: I'll end up with a headache from it.
0: Yeah. I've gotten to the point that I don't use any perfume at all anymore. So I agree. I'm with her hippie friends. Well,
2: here's the thing too. The marketing companies would love you to think that you need perfume to smell good, but men and women both make natural pheromones. This is why certain men are attracted to certain women and certain women are attracted to certain men. There are certain scents that are naturally emitted from the human body, which you can be attracted to. So I mean, you probably know this if you're listening and you've got a partner, your partner has a particular smell to them and you may like or maybe you don't like
0: it. <laughs> if you don't like it, that's a problem, right? right. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I mean, we are attracted to people by scent and so some of those scents are natural and if you cover that up with a synthetic chemical like we talked about the liver component, but just from a from a natural standpoint, our ancestors weren't walking around spraying Mark Jacobs on, you know, they may have <laughs> you know, a hemlock pine cone, or took some pine resin and rubbed it on them. Or maybe they took some lavender or some peppermint or spearmint or other natural herbs. And maybe they used that as their fragrance, but it was certainly not the stuff that we see today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. All right, this is Tiffany in Merrimack. I don't even know where I, like, where's Merrimack? I have no idea. I
2: don't know, you'd have to spell it and then I could
0: go. Half these places I'm like, where is this? I didn't do, I got straight A's except in geography. All right, it says, I've been struggling a lot with depression lately and I've been talking to a counselor and it has helped some, but I'm trying to find out the root cause. I feel like I'm walking around in a fog and I'm tired all the time. You can even see it on my skin and my face. I started reading about a lot of things on liver cleanse. I've never been a heavy drinker, so I'm not sure that liver issues are what I'm struggling with, but a lot of what I'm reading seems like that might be applying to me is something wrong with my liver? And how do I know? And what is the best protocol for a liver cleanse?
2: Great question. These are really awesome. So yeah, I mean, a liver cleanse could be a possible option. I just don't like the term liver cleanse, just like I don't really like the term like detox, like you see these people selling these detox teas, or detox tea, it's like, give me a break. So. What I would say is based on the symptoms, we heard of depression. We heard that her energy levels are low. There's likely a combination of issues. Hey, maybe she's wearing Marc Jacobs too, and it's the xylene is causing her— <laughs> Her liver to be overburdened and cause her depression I'm serious I've seen it on a piece of paper and then we use certain herbs to eradicate these toxins and the women are no longer depressed now there could be a neurotransmitter component to this so there could be some issue with dopamine and or serotonin as well as the endorphins norepinephrine and epinephrine there could be gut inflammation if she has gut infections we know nothing of her diet so we don't know what she's eating or if she has infections in her gut because gut inflammation can cause depression for sure. Uh, Other things, it could be mitochondrial dysfunction. We don't know what she's been through in terms of antibiotics. We don't know whether she was a C-section baby or was she born uh, vaginally. You know, what What was the health of her mother while she was pregnant? Does she have heavy metals in her mouth? Does she have silver amalgam fillings that may need to be removed that are leaking mercury into her bloodstream which would also cause fatigue, depression, brain fog that she described, etc. So, we would just have to do a good functional medicine workup on her and figure out what's going on but it's probably a combination of adrenals, gut, could be liver, yes, could be brain, could be inflammation. And this is the good thing about the testing is you don't have to guess, right? That's my whole philosophy. Tests don't guess because we could go down a million avenues together, but they may be wrong. But if you get the data you see on the piece of paper, here's her issue, then you can make an accurate plan to fix it.
0: And I think that's so important because even for me, you know, because I have so many amazing doctors and, you know, functional medicine people on here, I feel like I, you know, some, I always ask people like, well, what is your top five? Um, if you had to pick five supplements that you'd say like these five for me have been amazing. I'll ask you that. What, what would you say are the top five for you that have been kind of instrumental?
2: Well, as you know, I could say five supplements that are all gut related. I could say five that are all liver related. I could
0: say five that that are good for your liver.
2: All right. So we can chat about liver. So I've got a formula I've created called liver synergy. That's kind of my go-to. And I would say with the liver, You've got to pay attention with liver formulas because you have a phase one and a phase two of your liver detoxification and if you upregulate, meaning you crank up the phase phase one detoxification pathway, you may feel worse which is why I generally work on the phase two pathway which helps people think of it as think of phase one as you turning on the water hose think of phase two as you unplugging the water hose taking the golf ball out of the end of the hose so that the water can flow out. You don't want to turn on more water if you can't get the water out because the hose is plugged. So I typically work more in the phase two section in acetyl cysteine. It's one of my favorites. It's a derivative of an amino acid called cysteine very powerful antioxidant very helpful for protecting the liver n-acetylcysteine also helps to form glutathione glutathione is your master detox hormone in your liver now you can supplement with straight glutathione and someone may need to if they have a problem but nac can can increase your body's ability to make glutathione on its own uh, another liver herb milk thistle very easy very common
0: i will tell you i for milk thistle, and I think I, I have some liver issues. Even though I, I'm the same way as this girl, I don't drink a drop of alcohol. But um, she, when I took milk milk thistle one time, I I think I took too much of it, and I literally had like hives all over my body, and I was like, oh my gosh. So- yeah. So the
2: skin is a detox organ. So if the body, if you're trying to do something too hard or too fast the skin may have to come in and kind of pinch hit, right? If the liver and the kidneys, or if you're not pooping properly, or you're, you're dehydrated, your kidneys are unable to keep up. The skin may have to, to do some extra work, which is what happened to you probably. Right. Skull cap is a favorite of mine. Skull cap is something that can be helpful for Lyme disease and co-infections as well. Shijandra extract, it's a berry. Shijandra uh, really good for the liver. It can act as somewhat of an adrenal support too. Burdock root, big fan of burdock, also great for the liver. So those are kind of my go-to liver herbs. But if you ask me another category, it would be a totally different list.
0: Gotcha. And I think what's really important is that people need to stop and see someone like you so that we can figure out, because just listening to a podcast and going, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I think I think for me, I just take way too many supplements because every time I listen to a podcast, I'm like, oh, I need to try that. I need to try that. So now I'm taking all this stuff and you can get out of control with it. So you that's need right. you need someone like you where you can sit down and go, okay, let's see what you need. You might not need this and you need this. Totally,
2: okay. totally. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've got a pantry full of stuff and <laughs> most people listening do. It's because, ooh, maybe I need this. Maybe I need that. Maybe you need none of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, please don't add to your supplementary, don't go out, don't go out and buy what I just said because you think it sounds cool. Figure out what you're doing first.
0: Right. Okay, Stacy in Grand Rapids. I suffer with psoriasis and I love that you have taught me how to improve it with intermittent fasting. I've also noticed that certain foods make it worse, especially gluten and dairy. I do my best to limit these foods and when I do my psoriasis is much better, but I still can't get it to go away completely. I've been starting to take HCL acid, stomach acid, which has really helped. I know that you deal with psoriasis as well, but you haven't talked about it much on the podcast lately. Have you had any recent breakthroughs or found anything that's really helping you? I'd love to hear about it from your next doctor that comes on too, Stacy in Grand Rapids. Good
2: question. I've got a podcast coming out. If not this week, probably next week. So whenever people are listening to this, they can just look on the the library. I'm coming up on 300 episodes. So you'll just look for one that says Evan interviews client because I just started this new thing where I'm interviewing some of my clients and sharing their stories. People like it. I'm getting good mm-hmm. feedback. And so I, I have an episode coming out with a woman who her daughter had pretty much full body psoriasis. I mean, she was covered so bad. She was nine years old. And when they first reached out to me, the girl was going to be, I don't know if she was a flower girl or what, but she was going to be in a wedding. And so the mother was really concerned that her skin was going to be in such bad shape because when she took her daughter out to go try on dresses and such, you know, she was just really ashamed and embarrassed of herself. She didn't want to be seen with those rashes on her skin. And so we were kind of under a critical timeline here. And We did some testing on her, which is the same thing we would tell uh, Stacy is you got to get checked out because if you notice that the diet is improving, it doesn't mean that that's the only thing. It's great that you figured that out, but there's probably something else going on. And so for this little girl, we determined that she had parasites. We determined she had bacterial overgrowth as well as Candida. And so we designed an herbal protocol to address those infections and you'll hear it straight from the mom. But within about six weeks of the protocol, she was 95% better. By the time the wedding came around, her skin was absolutely beautiful and perfect. And so there is hope and I'll just quickly compare kind of the functional approach like we're discussing to the conventional approach. My wife, she had hives many years ago and went through about five dermatologists to try to figure this issue out. Of course, the only opportunity or the only thing they offer is steroids.
0: Which makes it worse. Yeah, it's not. Only it's it's a temporary fix. It's such a temporary fix.
2: Not the root cause. It's not a deficiency of steroids. And Mm -hmm. so you've got to dig deeper. Also, I would just do a really good job of looking at all of your skincare stuff. That's low-hanging fruit there. Make sure you've cleaned up your soap, conditioner, shampoo, dishwashing, detergent, your laundry detergent. If you use dryer sheets, get rid of them. They're toxic. You know, make sure that everything is legit in your your personal care products because let's say you're using a conventional laundry detergent that has artificial fragrance in it. First of all, nobody wants to smell that crap. And two, you ever smell that? People walk by you like, my God, they smell like a laundry bomb. So maybe I'm just extra sensitive. But we know that those synthetic fragrances in laundry detergent contain phthalates and phthalates disrupt your endocrine system, which affect your hormones. And so you could have something just that you're wearing on your skin. Think about it. If you're using a toxic laundry detergent, you're wearing those clothes all day. That could be enough. It could even be the material of clothes that you're wearing. A lot of women that wear work clothes, they could be wearing nylon or, or rayon or some synthetic fabric and that could affect the skin. So I personally wear typically cotton or wool and that's it. And I've never had skin issues on my on my body, just my face. but. I have had clients report that when we switch their, the material that they're wearing, even that can help improve skin health. So those are a few ideas.
0: Yeah, and for me, what really helps is when I really do eat like a more of a paleo diet, but I can't have eggs. So if I don't, I don't eat gluten for if if I want my skin to look really good. Number one, I do a, a lot of fasting, um, because the more fasting I do the better my skin. It just, the the fasting heals my gut. So I kind of shorten my eating window. I don't have gluten. I don't have dairy and I don't have eggs. And I do use the HCL stomach acid um, when I eat. So every time I eat, I do use that HCL stomach acid.
2: Yeah, eggs are a common trigger, but I would argue that eggs may not be the cause for you. That may just be the tip of the iceberg. Like if you're reacting to eggs, that may be a sign that there is something else in your gut. So I say anybody with skin issues, get your gut checked because gut check. I had issues with eggs for a long time and now I'd no longer have issues.
0: I love eggs. eggs. So, yeah. So, so when you get, when, when someone calls you and says, Hey, I want to get my gut checked. That's one of the things I want to do. What's the, what's that process look like?
2: It's easy. We just send someone an invoice. They pay us. We ship them a test kit. They do the test kit at home. You send it back to the lab with the prepaid envelope. You get the results in a few weeks. And some people just go through us to get testing, but most people are coming to, to be with me and to work with me. So we'll do a follow-up call and then we go over the results, see what's going on. And if you've got bugs, we'll fix them.
0: Okay. All right. Maddie in Florida says, what is your experience with HCL and pepsin and digestive enzymes? A friend of mine recently offered it to me after lunch. Ha ha. She says it helps a lot with digestion. But when I was reading online, I saw a lot of adverse effects like constipation and gas. It seems kind of counterintuitive. Have you tried this before? Maddie in Florida.
2: I wouldn't pay attention to what the, the bad stuff she's reading. I use acid and enzymes with nearly every single client. I mean, that was a critical part of my success to heal my gut was Me using too. extra enzymes, extra acids, extra ox bile, pancreatic enzymes, helping the gallbladder out. You know, there's some cancer doctors that have been interviewed in Suzanne Summers' book Toxic. And they were talking about using pancreatic enzymes at a high dose on an empty stomach to help eat tumors and to kill cancer. And so we know that there's a lot of benefit to these. But yeah, taking them with meals is a great idea. And that sounds like a cool friend. I wish I had a friend that offered me enzymes back in the day. Nobody had it. A-
0: well, it's so funny because the other day we had, I have in my purse, I have like, five different enzymes like hcl i have digestive enzymes because i like to change it up i don't like to take the same one all the time so i have these five big bottles in my purse and we were actually out to dinner and i had brought some out i was like okay who wants some and it was funny
2: I love it. Yeah, I hope that becomes the norm because, as we know, based on the work of Dr. Jonathan Wright, who wrote the book Why Stomach Acid is Good for You, one of my favorite books, yes. we discovered that after age 20, you make less acid and enzyme every year. So, by the time you're age 40, you're making not much acid and enzymes. And that's just because Mother Nature's not as interested in you. She thinks you may not be producing babies at that age. So, she doesn't really care if you're optimally digesting your proteins anymore, versus when you're 20. You know, super fertile age, Mother Nature wants you to digest well so you can make a healthy fetus. So it's not that Mother Nature wants you to die when you're 40. You're still plenty young, but it's just that she just cares about you a little bit less. And so that's why you've got to take it into your own hands and take your supplemental enzymes.
0: Annie in Fort Collins, in a recent podcast, you talked about things that can be endocrine disruptors, such as drinking out of a plastic cup. I'm not going to lie. This episode had me a little paranoid because I started doing some research and learned that these disruptors can be found everywhere in detergents, in cans. If I think about it too much, I can go crazy. What are some of the main disruptors I should try to be aware of and try to avoid?
2: Yeah, funny that this question came up because we just kind of talked about this a minute ago with the lady with the laundry detergent and the phthalates and such and so the biggest ones I would say one of the biggest is going to be flame retardants and so you know even in in, there's only one on the entire market that does not have flame retardants but 99.9999% of all car seats Have flame retardants added to them. So, your infant or your toddler is sitting in the car seat getting exposed to flame retardants, screwing these kids up from a hormonal perspective before they even hit age five, which is why we're seeing very, very early puberty. We're seeing many, many, many more childhood cancers than we've ever seen before. Autism rate is extremely high. We're talking one in 36 has autism now. Used to be one in 10,000 just a short time ago. Now, course, that's a whole nother can of worms. I don't have time to go into it today, but flame retardants and other toxins are, are part of that. So making sure that you're not giving flame retardants to your children by avoiding it in their pajamas as well. you know. There's a lot of clothing, for example. Believe it or not, you can look at a a child's sleepwear and you can look at the tag and they add flame-retardant chemicals to the sleepwear so that your kid hopefully doesn't burn up if your house catches on fire. I'd rather take the risk and have my kid wearing organic clothing, which is what my daughter wears, and I'm going to grab her and run out of the house if it's on fire. And so Also, yeah, the person in the question mentioned the the plastic bottles. Of course, that's an easy one. I mean, you see, I've got like, I've got stainless steel on my desk. I've got ceramic. I've got another stainless steel. My desk is covered in non-toxic drinking containers because I have to drink. I talk all day. And so it's easy. It's easy to to filter your water. It's easy to get rid of a single-use water bottle. That stuff's just going to end up in a landfill or in the ocean anyway. I mean, so it's very easy to get rid of that stuff. We talked about the makeup, the cosmetics, you know, Mm -hmm. cosmetics are a big source. Hair dye is a big source of toxins. Nail polish, really big source of toxins as well that you're breathing in. I test women for this. So I know from experience, these chemicals are huge. Cosmetics and hair dyes and nail polish.
0: So with nail polish, what would you suggest that you just don't wear any nail polish at all?
2: I've heard there's more like natural like nail polishes out there. My wife purchased one. It still smelled terrible. And- <laughs> so I'm guessing it was still not super good. So there is a an organization called the Environmental Working Group. They have a database called Skin Deep, and you can go and review and research the different top brands of cosmetics that are supposedly cleaner. I just haven't done it, but yeah, supposedly there's healthier options out there. I've heard of like organic hair dye, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good it works, but I'd rather have organic hair dye that doesn't have chemicals than my hair look pretty, but my brain is fried due to the chemicals.
0: Yeah. I know there's one it's called Davinous and it's not a hundred percent organic, but it's like the most organic that they have in a lot of salons um not a lot but a few like there's like two salons in this whole area that kind of carry it yep. well it has been an absolute pleasure having you on and if people want to find you i know they can go to evanbrand.com are you still doing your uh, free 15 minute like a phone consultation if they are interested in kind of learning more about what you have to offer
2: Yeah. So I have a staff member that does that about a year or two ago. I just got too busy. I couldn't do the 15 minute free call, but I've been training. Uh, She's also her name is Megan. And uh, I've been training her for the past two plus years now. She's got all the same functional medicine credentials as I do. And I've trained her on my specific protocol. So yeah, if people want to reach out, they have symptoms, they can chat with her. The 15 minutes is really just to hear about your symptoms and figure out, hey, can we actually help you or not? And we're going to tell you straight up, yeah, this is something we could definitely work on or no, we can't. Most issues, and I've got a whole list of conditions that I work on on my site. People can just look through that. Most issues, there's a root cause. Like I like we talked about with IBS today. We talked about with depression today. Depression's not a deficiency of antidepressant drugs, you know, so anytime, and I don't know why that's such a revolutionary way to think, but it is. So until that becomes the common way to think I'm going to keep beating the drum that hey it's not a deficiency of drugs now have antidepressants save lives have other drugs in pharmaceutical industry save lives absolutely but with these chronic health issues that we're talking about we're not talking about acute issues I'm not saying if you break your arm coming to me please don't now if you want like a, a natural holistic protocol to heal yourself after you break an arm. You need natural anti-inflammatories and things like that to avoid intestinal bleeding from taking ibuprofen. Yeah, reach out to me for that. But if you break your arm, go to the doctor. But... (laughs) But if you've got a skin issue or a gut issue or you're depressed or you're anxious, the one girl asked earlier, she said that she was going to a counselor. That's great. You know, that's a good first step. The counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists, they have a role in society. I have clients that actually are counselors. They're like, hey, I can't fix these people with just talking. What do I do? And, you know, I teach other practitioners what they should be doing or asking about because, look- If talking fixed everybody's problems and if a gluten-free diet fixed everyone's problems, I wouldn't be here.
0: Right, right. That's so so good. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantalrayway.com. We'll see you next time.